Shall we get to the Eastern Conference here? I think I think I think it's time. I think it's time to make make the switch over to the to the opposite coast and see what's going on over there. The top four is pretty messy. They're separate. They're all pretty much separated by one, one and a half, two games max. Mm. Oh, the top the top and- four is set, but the actual uh, the actual placings that changes every night now. Yeah, the top four, and and that's that leads me to my question: Who's do any of these teams actually think about tanking out of the one or two spot just to completely avoid Brooklyn? Philly, like actually, I think it's I think it's something that could be on the mind of of the 76ers. One thing we are seeing that we all we we did have the fear. We just thought that. The offense might be too good, but we're seeing, we saw it against the Bucks, and we've seen it in other games. When they need stops, they can't get them. They can yeah. keep scoring, but when they need to get a stop, they cannot, they cannot step up and, and do that. And that's, that's something that's going to, that's going to, going to hurt them coming, coming into the playoffs. I think that's the point. Like, the Nets haven't shown enough, even even in the limited amounts of of games that they've been fully healthy, that they can be balanced like that. And yeah, their offense is going to be tremendous. But this is why it always comes back to like, is Ben Simmons going to come back? Is, is he going to come back? And I've I've seen no word about whether he's coming back or not. Um, herniated disc is no joke. And it's interesting that that was just like rant. Like, where did that come from? It's like all of a sudden he got acquired. And then he just had like a bad back out of nowhere. But that's the main issue here. Like if he was back, that changes everything, but he's not. So why run the risk of catching the Nets in the second round? So say you're, you're the 76ers and you dodge the Nets in the first round. But then the second round or later on, Ben Simmons comes back. I, I don't know. It's a possibility as opposed to the absolute likelihood that, you know, he's probably not around right now. You, you don't want to run into that team when they get their defensive stopper. Cause I mean, that's the, that's the main thing that's missing here is having a guy who can really help you get stops. Yeah, you know, Philly, they, they, they want to, they want to, they want to give the fans what they want to see. We, we want to see uh, Ben Simmons playing uh, for the Nets and a playoff series uh, with, 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 uh, with the old Philly boys there, you know? No, it's, yeah. it, it's true. It's, it, it's a risk that you run. Obviously, we're only speaking hypothetically here. We don't know if that uh, this is what, what Philadelphia are doing, but I think it's something that could, that could be in the, in the back of their mind. It's something that I've noticed in the last few games where they're in tight situations. It's not so much them struggling to score. It's more so them just struggling to get any sort of consistent stops on the defensive end. So if they go... If they end up going down maybe six or seven points in a game, and it's getting uh, getting to late in the fourth quarter, they can keep scoring, but they're not going to be able to get the consistent sort of stops to actually be able to overcome those sort of small deficits. Yeah, and and I think that's exactly why I think a narrative should be put to rest because number one, teams aren't planning to to jump out of certain spot like they're just trying to win, you know, especially when you're at the top. You know, middle of the pack or at the top. You're just trying to win. You're focusing on that. And number two, I think if if even if you were planning where you ended up in the seating, you probably now is the time to beat the Nets. The Nets, even though they have Kyrie back on home court, they still look vulnerable defensively. 
maybe they take a, a series to figure that out. Do you want to give them the momentum if they figure that out against, say they play the Heat, and the Heat can't get it going offensively, and that just gives their defensive, their their defense the momentum to figure things out. They beat the Heat, and then they're rolling. Do you want to face a Nets team that just upset a top seed and is now rolling? Don't even talk about Ben Simmons, but like just the the chances of them being worse is unlikely. If you're facing them later on in the playoffs, it's probably because they're figuring things out. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's a fair point. So funny that we're talking about them and they're in there. They've ended up in the play in, but we, we, we kind of still have that sneaky suspicion that they, they could arguably almost be the, I'll say the second favorites. I still think no, Milwaukee no, are the clear favorites no. to go. I'm not even going to give them that. I'm not going to give them that. Cause that that's the, I won't even compare them to the Clippers in the same way because like the, the Simmons question mark is way too big. And even if he does come back, like we haven't seen a single game of that. So we don't even know how that looks. Um, what do you think so, the ceiling is for the Nets then? No, no Ben Simmons, the roster as it stands now, what do you think their ceiling is in the playoffs this year? I mean, <laughs> you, you, I mean, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving. You, you can't put a ceiling on that because when you say ceiling, you can't put a ceiling on that. I mean, you, you've seen what they can do in the postseason. But again, like you said, defense, like defense is one of those things. It's, it's tough to predict. And are you going to be able to get stops against Giannis? You're going to be able to get stops against Embiid. You're going to be able to get stops against uh, Tatum. That's, that's a big question. And they're facing very good defenses now. Like this isn't, and it's going to be playoff defense as well. So I, I don't think they're well, they're not well balanced enough in order to make it out of the first round, most likely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, am I, am I going to say that there's no ceiling? Yeah, there's, there's no ceiling, but it's going to be a tough one to break. It's going to take both the, both, co- both uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are generational type players and they can do generational type thing. Like we, they, they could do something this postseason that would be like we were talking about for years to come they're, they're those type of players but when it comes down to what's the most likely scenario most likely scenarios they they're out of the first round because of all the points you made about their their inability to consistently get stops that's they're not going to be able to keep up in that way mm-hmm. um and depends on health too we'll, we'll we'll see they've just been banged up at the end of this season you need to have a healthy Seth Curry in yeah. order for this yeah. to work too. And that, that's, yeah, that's a, he's that's an important role player. Drummond as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, they're, they're another, it's just, I know injuries are part of the game and they happen every year, but I feel like this year has been so many important injury blows to so many teams. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strange one. I think, what, what about the Miami Heat? They're the number one seed at the moment. They had their little slide last week, lost four games in a row. They lost to a 76ers team without Embiid and Harden, lost to a Warriors team without Curry, Clay, and Draymond. Then they lost to the Knicks, and then they lost to the Nets. Bounced back this week with a win against the Kings, and then they beat the, the Celtics there last night. I think that was a good, a good recovery 
sort of win for them. That was a win they needed to kind of get themselves back on track this season. It it was, and I think my question though is, what's what's going on behind the scenes? Oh, what what's their vibe like? Because on the court, it feels like the defense has slipped, and their defensive rating has slipped down to one thirteen these past ten games, and which isn't awful, but it's I mean their staple is going to be being an elite defensive team. Their offense has still looked stagnant. So is is their vibe falling apart because they're and I'm just going to point to, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on air, but they had a very, very political response to that whole debacle that went on the court with Jimmy Butler yeah. and Spolstra. It's already, it's already been talked about ad nauseum, so we won't go into it. But I think that, that in a, that by itself, I'm not going to say that's, you know, damning to them. That's something that, oh, they're falling apart because, you know, teams do go through emotional swings. But when you look at their togetherness on the defensive end, it's not the same. It's not the same. It doesn't feel the same, and the results are not the same. Their defense has definitely slipped. So as a, def- as a team, that's identity has been just absolutely ferocious defense, forcing turnovers, getting stops, demoralizing the other team, and bombing from three. Is that sli- The, the three-point shooting has slipped. The offenses look stagnant. The defense goes away. Are they going to be viable in the first round? Well, you could make the argument on the other hand that that fourth quarter last night, that was their defense getting themselves back in their groove when they like limited the Celtics to only 15 points and they were yeah, they were stepping up stepping up with big plays. I, I think the offense would be more more of a worry for me. I think the defense come back. You could you can even argue that they're kind of even just slowing it down a bit, knowing what they've got ahead of them. They're gonna they're they're definitely gonna be in a playoff team and they're gonna be expected to go on a playoff run. So you can kind of see that creeping into the mentality that maybe you don't have to be all all or nothing, give it give it give it everything in the last couple of games of, of uh of this regular season, as much as they are battling to be the number one seed, I think they want to be the number one seed. I think they would love uh, to even take on the Nets. I think they they'd be confident that they can they can sweep them aside, knowing that their defense can hold up and knowing that they'll be good enough to attack the weaknesses of the Nets on the defensive end. So I think I think I always feel like Miami are in control. That's always that's always in my head. I always feel like they know exactly what they're gonna do and they're gonna be able to do it. It's just can they rely on Tyler Hero to keep uh, to keep scoring the way he's been doing? We we've seen him have games where he's just his shot is just way off. I think the pressure really turns to to Larry and Butler now. That was the, the they went to those two guys last night, Larry and Butler down the stretch. Larry was controlling it CP3 style there. Uh, down the stretch against Boston, uh, Butler was uh, scoring some important buckets. So I think it's gonna, it's the, it's really gonna rely on what those two guys can do for them on the offensive end, and obviously the defense getting back to the elite level that it has been for the majority of the season. Yeah. So who do you think is the most nervous then? You know, because 76ers, it seems like that that honeymoon with them and Harden, it's over. 
So now mm-hmm. it's realistic. You know, are you going to have up and down games? Is that going to happen in the playoffs? Celtics, obviously losing Rob Williams, that's huge. Um, sucks at this point of the season, given how just awesome they've been this second half of the season and how great Rob Williams has been. Um, they lost him, maybe get him back in the second round. And then the Heat, you know, I, I still think there's something there given how they've cooled off defensively. They've had some bad losses. And then that whole showdown between Butler and Spolstra. I, I think, you know, who's the most nervous out of them? Like with, with some of their, their issues. Oh, it's gotta be the 76ers. It, it, it has to be. They, they made the big move. This was the move that was going to change everything for them. It, it took up the majority of the season. They had their honeymoon period where it's like, Oh my God, this is this is exactly as amazing as we thought it was going to be. Then the last uh, the last few games, it, it hasn't it hasn't been so great. The games where you were looking at it and saying, "This is a real tester. This is this is where they show why they went and got James Harden," and they've come up short in those games. So I think that they're they're still the team that that are going to be the most nervous. They're arguably still the team that that has the most pressure. On their shoulders going going into going into the playoffs, but I think for them they they've got to be the most nervous. I think the Celtics, I think they'll be okay. I think it, it, especially if they can get through the first round and then Williams can come back in the second round, I think that could be a real difference maker for them. Tice has shown that he he's he's capable. He's he's not at the same level as Williams, yeah, but he is capable of filling in there. While, while Williams is down, it's not going to be a massive gap that you notice straight away. So if they can get through that first round, say they end up as, as the four seed, I think while they won't be excited to face the Bulls, I think they'd still be confident I wouldn't be. <laughs> to be able to defeat them. Oh, man, I would hate, I would hate a, a matchup against them. Yeah. Um, that, that would not be – I think defensively they've – They've been awesome, even without Williams and Tice. Man, that was such an awesome, awesome, awesome um, pickup off the buyout. Yeah, like he he's gonna do. He knows how to play the system, and he's a good. He's a really good defender. He's a really good interior defender. He's not gonna do all the same things Williams does. He's not gonna have that same lob threat that he does. But in terms of defensively switching out to the top and playing the drop, I mean, he's very good at both. Um, I, I think I, I agree with you. I, I would say that the 76ers are they, they're relying on really variable things. Harden's aggression in shooting, which has been on and off, on and off. It's not been consistent this year. You know, his, his averages may show, you know, he's still having a good year, but game to game, that's not always there. And when you back up, are you going to rely on Tyrese Maxey if he's having an off game? Where does your offense go outside of just isolating Joel Embiid in the paint? And concerns again, we see how the minutes are sometimes mismanaged by Doc. And you're keeping him out too long and they lose that game against the Bucs as Giannis is just going crazy while Embiid is on the bench. Like moments, things like that. There's just, there have just been little cracks in the seams here of a team that, you know, you hope they'd be a little bit more successful with that tandem, but that is a pairing that, you know, might take some time to figure out. Maybe it's not as automatic as we thought it would be, but that's, I, where, I that's think... where you got to turn to, to Tobias Harris. He's shown in the last couple of games in fairness, he's been a bit better. 
Yeah. So that's he he's got to be a bit of a difference maker in those sort of situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of pressure on him. He needs to be the X factor. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when those things aren't figured out, he needs to be aggressive where Harden is not. Um, and that's, again, you're asking him to be someone else. He's not been that guy, even though he's paid to be that guy. We've already talked about he's not that guy. Um, but out of all these top teams, like we haven't talked about the Bucks. Like, dude, <laughs> I mean, they've, they've been unheralded all season because, you know, they've had, they've not been as dominant as they've been. Sure. But they are the healthiest they've been. They've got Brooke Lopez back. And, you know, Bobby Portis accepted that bench role, still looking like, you know, if, if I'm going to give out six man of the year awards, it's got to be up there. Been amazing. And Giannis, I mean, he's, did he overtake and beat in the MVP race just in that one game in terms of optics? Yeah. I mean, you can definitely, you could definitely make the argument. He, he showed up on both ends of the court as, as he always does. He had his 40 points and then he had the game winning block. He was, he was an animal. I mean, you kind of almost, even though he was always in the conversation, you still always kind of only thought of it as Jokic versus Embiid again for, for the MVP. But Giannis has just been, been unbelievable. And what people are, it, it, it's almost kind of the similar sort of situation that we saw, you could say with, with LeBron, the years, like he won those back-to-back MVPs, then one in the middle, not him, and then then another couple of back-to-backs. They, it happened with Jordan as well. Remember when Karl Malone won that MVP? It's almost like, all right, we we've enjoyed you, we we've used you. It's it's time for us to try and forget about you and move on to someone else. That was so sort of what it was like yeah. last year. Yeah. Giannis was still great, and obviously Jokic was unbelievable, totally deserving of the award. But Giannis is right back up there again. He could very yeah. easily. Very easy win, especially if the Bucks keep going and ultimately end up as the number one seed, which I think is likely. They play two games less than the Heat, and if they beat the Bucks tonight, or sorry, they are the Bucks. If they beat the Nets tonight, I think everyone will really have their eyes open and realize this is still the Bucks team that won the title last been. year, and maybe and maybe is even a better team this year because of the way. Drew Holiday is playing on both. Yeah, ends of the court. exactly, exactly. So, like, even like, I think Drew Holiday has really gotten into his groove the second half of the season, and even on a night where Chris Middleton is missing a lot of shots uh, against Seventy Sixers, Drew Holiday's there, and I think both of them have the same skill set in order to you know, really break down a defense, get into the mid range, and where Giannis, it's not always on Giannis to, to set things up, mm-hmm. and I think he's really embraced a balanced role where he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time and he doesn't have to be in the post all the time and his he can choose when to use his energy and I think that's been huge I think they've this whole season when we look back at it I think will be a season of retooling their balance and coming back to being a championship favorite because I think they've secretly been that all season I mean when it comes to their best a team's best this is the best two-way team in, you know, in, in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, they faced the Suns last year in a seven-game series. It could be the two best two-way team in basketball. And that's not something that can be discounted. And as a team that just won the championship, I think it's crazy that they just haven't had any of the conversation. But it's it's funny too when you compare fan bases because the Suns are so their fan base is just so like offended 
that they're looked at as underdogs and they're always like, why are we talked about? Why are we talked about? But the the Bucks that just have such a humble, like chill, like fan base where it's, you know, they're accepting that they are the small market team, but they, but they're going to go out there. Yeah, I know. But like, (laughs) it's true. You know, and the the Suns do have a little bit more to prove in that regard, but um, let's, let's take a minute though to, to talk about the, the bottom half, because I think it's also really interesting down here. If we, if we have a minute. Oh, I gotta, I gotta talk the Raptors. The Raptors have been oh, yeah. Yeah. on a serious, on a serious rise. I think they're, they could be now, I think 11 and five over their last 16 games. They've risen up to the sixth place. They're always kind of meandering around uh, the, the various playing places for the whole season, but the Cavs have gone on a bit of a skid and the Raptors have taken advantage of that, including with uh, a victory over, over the, the Cavaliers have also beaten the Celtics, the 76ers, the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Nets, and they've just been awesome. It just shows what a great coach that that Nick Nurse is. Again, we are we already knew it, but it's highlighting again in, in a in a similar to, way to what we've seen from Ty Lu, how he's proven himself as coach here. Nick Nurse is doing it again out there in Toronto and Siakam. God damn, what a what a tear he's been on of late. Like he's He's been good all season, but uh, recently he's, I think, over over this span where the Raptors have gone on this run to get them up into sixth place, he's averaging 27, 8, and 5. He's been absolutely awesome, and him and Van Vliet are just that that lovable little duo. I always think of Toronto as as, as everyone's second team because everyone just had, I think people just have a soft spot for, for the way that they're built and the way that they're run. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not going to be just a cute story, though. And I'm saying this as, as the scared Bulls fan sitting here at fifth. And, and let me break it down here for, for where the Raptors are at. So they're at six. They're at 44 and 32. 44 wins, 32 losses. Bulls are at 44 wins, 32 losses. They do own the tiebreaker against the Raptors. However, here's the thing. You look down at 7-2 with the Cavs, 42 and 34. The Raptors have beaten eight out of the last 10 teams, they have a plus 9.6 net rating over those last 10 games. They've beat Denver, the Clippers, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Boston. And as we said, they thrashed Minnesota last night. Mm-hmm. The Bulls in the last, oh, this is tough. In the last 10 games, negative 6.3 net rating. And they have the second hardest strength of schedule. We're playing a Clippers team with Paul George, Playing the Suns, playing Boston, Denver, Utah. I mean, I hate to say it, but with Cleveland also having the 18th hardest strength of schedule and Toronto having the 26th, they have the fourth easiest strength of schedule. It's not looking good. It's looking pretty tough to stay where they're at. They're going to have to win some really impressive games. And kudos to the Raptors. I mean, they, they got through a tough stretch. This, is, this was their tough stretch right here, these last 10 games. And they just blew it out of the water. And this is also a team that we can't forget. They've, they started the season without Siakam. They went stretches without OG. And they've really had to try different lineups. I mean, there are times we had Banton out there at point guard. Like Nick Nurse has not been shy to try different things, see who's holding the ball, who's not. Scotty Barnes was playing the point for a while. And they've retooled so many different times that it feels like now they've kind of figured out 
okay, this is what we got. And now that they have consistency, they're a really good team. They're a really scary team to face with their length, their defense, and they just have an egalitarian way of playing on the offensive end. And man, do they run. I don't want to face, I don't want to face them in the first round. I don't think any team is going to be looking at them and saying, Oh, that's an easy win. And that's come a long way from a team that, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's like, okay, we'll see what they end up in the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that just, again, it just shows that's what, what, what Toronto are about there. They're, they're always about competing. I never picture Toronto as a team that are going to tank. I always feel like they're a team that are going to, that are going to do well. They, they're just, they're very well run. They're right. Very well coached. And they're gonna go. They're gonna be going into the playoffs with with uh, with serious uh, serious momentum. Say how you're feeling now. You're thinking your Bulls are gonna finish sixth. Would you rather be facing the Celtics or the 76ers? Celtics. Celtics. You know we haven't. <laughs> I mean, we haven't beaten them beat. And there's no. I think some teams have. I I think that the the Raptors have an answer. They, they have, they don't have a good answer, but they have a better answer for Embiid because, you know, they can double him with like jump with jumbo wings. When you have OG, when you have Siakam, when you have Scotty out there and you got precious Achua, you have all these athletic bigs, you know, they can bother, they can bother guys. You, you can see what they, they did to cat and Embiid has been better at passing out of the double, but you know, that's going to be a weapon that, that they'll be able to use the bulls have been were awesome in the first half of the season defensively and they can do a lot of that same stuff but in a different way with their guards and harassing you know other wings and guards but ah, they just don't have the firepower defensively in terms of size tristan thompson's not gonna get it done booch isn't gonna get it done and that's that's always gonna be what the 76ers can rely on at least in the first round i i mean the Bulls against the Celtics, that's going to be the interesting matchup, though, because can it, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be can, can Levine and DeRozan elevate the Bulls over the Celtics? So I, I, think, I think the Bulls have a good formula defensively to, to figure out what they do with Tatum, what they do with Brown. And I think they have a pretty well-balanced defense, especially if we can get Lonzo back. I don't know if that happens, but um, I don't know. It, it's tough for me to even argue that we're going to match up well against Celtics right now because we've just played so poorly in the second half of the season. So I don't know. I, I hate to think past this season, but it feels like there's still more work to be done for this team to be whole. I think we got a really hot start. And we're kind of coming back to where everyone predicted, at least at least in Bulls Nation. I know everyone was predicting lottery bound, which is ridiculous, but I think this is the more realistic outcome for the Bulls that I think we're still just a little bit away. And the Celtics are hot right now. Embiid's not the guy you want to face. I think I'd rather take the heat out of all of them if I could choose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap wrap it up with the last the last few teams. We won't get too de- too uh, too low in the uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking about Magic, Pistons, Pacers, maybe even Wizards and Knicks. Uh, come the when, we talk, when, when we're talking draft, but yeah, we the Hornets and the Hawks. They're looking. They're in the ninth and tenth spots at the moment. 
they could they could still overtake the nets they could they could uh, it's it could still be a lot of things could still change they're the Hawks intent are game back on the Nets. The Hornets are half a game back, so things could still change with that, with that, uh, that order. But talking Hornets Hawks, who do you think has more of a chance of, of making it into the playoffs proper, and who do you think is more of a chance of of causing some disruption to some of the higher seeds? Um, definitely, definitely a puncher's chance for the Hornets. I mean, the Hornets in the last 10 games, plus 8.5 net rating. They're also 8-2. and two. They beat Dallas, huge win over Brooklyn, um, and they beat Utah. I, I think that they have shown how explosive they can be, and they still, again, have moments very similar to the Timberwolves where the defense lapses, the they play too fast, they start getting too many turnovers. So that could be something that you know teams are going to exploit against them. But when they when they just get on these nuclear runs of just barraging threes, getting to the bucket with their athleticism, they're a tough team to beat when they're in that zone. I, I I'm gonna take them over the Hawks because I mean I feel like the Hawks have still struggled to consistently play defense in the same way, but also I think they're not healthy either. No, they're not healthy. And I think having having a healthy DeAndre Hunter would have been huge and having just more, more togetherness, more of an offensive identity outside of Trey. I think Trey has dragged this team to where they are right now, but it's clear that there's more work to be done there in a way that I don't think they're as balanced. They're not as balanced as, as the Hornets are right now. Yeah, that's fair. And hey, Gordon Hayward, is he done for the season? I haven't heard anything about him in the last, the last while, Terry Terry Rozier has kind of been the guy uh, do, doing a lot of the scoring for for the Hornets out there. He's he was supposed to come back four weeks after he was injured on February seventh, but you know still haven't heard anything. And man, this guy just never catches a break. But I, I think the thing is is that they're they're doing they're doing okay without him. Miles Bridges has picked up a lot of the slack. You still have like you said, Terry Rozier is there to to carry the burden, um, and that's I think the difference between them and the Hawks. You know, the, the Hornets have a lot more ways to attack you than the Hawks do. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can always rely on a couple different things from the Hawks. You can always rely on that pick and roll with him and John Collins, him and Capella. But Capella has also slipped defensively. Yeah. You know, that was supposed to be a, a big boon for them, that he'd be a huge interior stopper. And that slipped this year. Um, you know, the injury injury from last year, could be still carrying over, but that's not something that they can rely on. So I, I think when you put them defensively, they're going to be pretty, pretty well matched up. Um, do we have, do we have hope for Cleveland? So let's, let's end on Cleveland. They've had such an awesome season, but now it seems like everything's breaking down. Mobley has sprained his ankle. We'll be back for the playoffs. Yeah. But it's, it seems like they've gone sky high when they touch the very top of the Eastern conference. And, you know, this is a realistic ending. I think just like the Bulls, it's going to be a realistic ending for both yeah. of these teams. Yeah. Yeah, it's big time. I think, obviously, it's, it's still a huge boost. And this is their first winning season without LeBron James since 1998. That's, that's a huge achievement for, the, for this team. I don't think there were many that were expecting 
a winning season out of this Cleveland team this year. I don't think there was many expecting Evan Mobley to have the instant impact that he has had. I think it would be a blow to Cleveland if they weren't to make the playoffs, given that they were, they've been in the playoff places for the majority of the season. They're now slipped down into the, into the plan and it's looking likely that they're probably going to finish there. They've got what? Six, six or six games left to make up two games. I mean, it's possible, but you wouldn't be overly confident in it, it, it given the, the small window that they have left. And then it comes down to who do they face in the, playing could be the nets it could be the hornets could, could be any of the three teams really and you wonder who would they match your best against like I, I would actually look at the nets and just think every time i watch the Cavs give the nets a really hard game they give them a good battle game but at the same time then i'm like in a one-off game when you need to win they got Katie it's like Karis LeBert revenge they got they got KD and Kyrie. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just not giving you giving them much props there. Still still a positive season for them, but I think it will be a blow if they if they don't make the playoffs. I hope I hope that they can still get through get through the play in. Here's the unlikely scenario that would be fascinating that I wish I could wish into reality. This isn't going to happen because the Cavs probably don't surge here, and the Raptors probably continue winning. Again, they have the fourth easiest strength of schedule. But if the Raptors were to fall into the play-in, the Nets playing them, they'd have to play in Toronto. And they wouldn't even make it out of the play-in without Kyrie playing. I'll just say it right there. That, that is the unlikely scenario, but possible, very possible. I mean, this, I mean we're, we're talking about a team that's in the play-in for a reason. Maybe the Raptors figured out right now, sure. But hey, things can happen. To quote, quote me that things can happen, and <laughs> the Nets could end up playing in Toronto, and th- this also goes for the Celtics too. I, I mean, Celtics did not um, give a detailed release when asked about uh, vaccination status. So when they were asked about um, you know any concerns, they they didn't answer. They didn't give an official answer to that. So I don't know who might be unvaccinated on the, I mean, I don't want to make this a witch hunt type of thing, <laughs> but if if one of their key players just happens to not be vaccinated and they're playing in Toronto, that's going to be a huge deal because that's not changing. That rule, that vaccination mandate is not going to change. Um, but last question, last question, and we'll head out. Um, and maybe we've already answered it, but last year the Hawks, they surprised everybody. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Almost. They almost toppled the Giant. But is there a team this year that could make that same sort of splash? Either conference, any any of these teams that that you're thinking, you know, no one's thinking about them and they might do something special. I don't. I don't think so. I. I'd like. I'd. I'd maybe look to Dallas, but you're only having Dallas in there just because it's been so long since they've won a playing a playoff game. They're still. They're, they're still the third uh, seed the third in the seed, West yeah, at the moment, so count. you can't really. You can't really put them in. But outside of them, I, I don't think so. No, I don't think. I don't. I. I see it being a. It's been a. It's been back to normal this year. This is the the last couple of years have been a, being a bit different. I think back to normal this year, and I think it'll come down to. The, the the better teams going head to head this year. There's not gonna I don't think there's gonna be too many 
too many upsets in, in in either conference. I think we'll see two strong teams in the conference finals in uh, in each conference. We'll see. I I have an answer for both conferences. You know, I know we talked about the up and down for the Timberwolves, but like like we said, when they are engaged, when they are playing their game that we know that they can play, they are a they're an elite team. You know, they they oscillate between a team that is off their game and a team that when they're locked in, they're focused, they're elite on both ends of the floor. We've noticed that they match up well against the Grizzlies. If they get that matchup against the Grizzlies and they make their way to the second round, I mean, they've matched up well with, with the Warriors. You know, that Ante, Ante Edwards, come on down, man. Exactly. And they have, they have guys who could elevate their play. Anthony Edwards, maybe he levels up. You know, there, there, there is that playoff effect for young, talented players where when they have their chance to finally, like, bite into that playoff scene, some, a lot of times it's, you know, they weren't ready for the moment. But when they step in, it's, it's surprising. And that was kind of what we saw from Trey Young. That, that's a team I'd look out for. But in the Eastern Conference, man, I'll, I'll say it. I think, man, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really curious because the Raptors have a mix I, I wanted the Hornets felt like the sexy answer because they're all the way down to ninth seed. And I think they have just like this really fascinating makeup of really fun play from three point shooting and all the lobs and all the crazy plays and mellow ball plays. But the Raptors though, I mean, they have, they have championship DNA there and they, they both in their coaching staff and their and Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, they know how to win a championship. They've got Thaddeus Young there. I mean, he, he knows how to play solid minutes. They've got guys on the bench, and I think they're figuring out this rotation. I'm not sleeping on the Raptors as being the kind of team that over seven-game series, they, they can make some noise. Oh, the Raptors are 100% the team that no one wants to face in the East. No one will be looking forward to a seven-game series against those Toronto Raptors. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, so I've locked, I've locked that in. Those are my, those are my surprises. And... The Hawks, I don't, I don't think they'll be there this year, unfortunately. Uh, One of the no. two. Thank God. So coming up, think we, this was a this is a long. I feel like this was almost like a uh, closing closing notes on the season. This has been such a fun season. It was a long episode here. It definitely went a little over, but to encapsulate what's happened over the season, it's fun to look back and just see like where these teams are now. And I, I think this we're looking at the end and. So many unexpected teams here. It's been such a ride this whole season. But I think next episode, we'll be looking at the next chapter for the teams that aren't in this conversation. Your Wizards, your Knicks, your Pacers, Pistons, Kings, all those teams that are looking at losses. Take as many losses as you can because there are some exciting players in this draft. And we'll be breaking that down hopefully next week. But um, at any rate, thank you for sticking with us as we rambled on about all these playoff what ifs, all these crazy scenarios. Kawhi Leonard coming back and bringing the Clippers all the way to the championship like it should have been. And Ronan will shake his head as I predict that. But I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, it's it's very, very possible. Hey, you're right about Memphis. Maybe you can be right about this too. I'm not usually right about many things, but I'll take that. All right. Until next time, brother. Take care, guys. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. 
Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.